I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast. LR here with Benji. The show is always supported by Zwift. I believe Benji is in the Zwift offices right now doing a second FTP test, but not a ramp test. He's doing a, is it 20 minutes or 60 minutes? 20 minutes because I wouldn't survive okay. a 60 minutes one, mate. Uh, I got to fake it to make it. I can't do the full <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, 60 minutes, I guess that's the worst thing ever. Anyway, this is <laughs> maybe the meme awards is the wrong term. Like, we haven't figured out a better one. The unorthodox awards, the awards that you won't find on pro cycling stats, or, or you, you know, we had to, this was the hardest one to put together. We have. Best transfer, worst transfer, worst deviation, or in some cases, best deviations. If you deviate and win and don't get relegated, isn't that a good deviation from your perspective? Best race, worst race, <laughs> most dangerous race, and funniest moments. Uh, this will probably, I'm coming out of retirement, uh, be quite heavy on the deviation police. I. Yeah, I'm coming back on a on a one pod contract to put my police hat back on uh, for the deviation police. We've got special names for the awards as well. Um, but why don't we kick off Benji with best transfer? And I guess this can be whatever way you want it to be. Whether it they were, the transfer was underrated or you think they didn't get paid much in performance, however you want it. Who do you who comes to mind for you? I think when we think about best transfers, the likes of a, a Benjamin Thomas is not the first name that comes in your mind, but at the start of the season was one of the names where we were like, okay, this rider is performing better than expected. Also, Lotto Kopecky to SD Works was really strong in the preseason. We had the likes of Balsamo to Trek, Simon Clark to Israel Premier Tech last minute. That eventually led to him winning the cobble stage at the Tour de France. Solaire to UAE could be named here as a good transfer, I'd argue. But... When I think about the top transfers, I'd say that the Yumbo ones, Laporte and Benoit, are the ones that come in my mind the first. And Laporte especially is the one that pushes through because he's done it over the entire season. And again, Benoit as well, you know. How do you rate Benoit transfer versus Laporte? Uh, Laporte's ahead. I'm not sure if Benoit had any injury issues at some point throughout the year. Strade, he did. Okay, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, Laporte's... Lead out man for Wout. He came second in Worlds or third in Worlds or something. Um, yeah, third. He, he is a genuine classics leader and he like launched Jumbo Visma. I, I have him ahead of Benoit because he's an actual race winning threat. I know Benoit in Omelope was kind of that, but now nah, Laporte's ahead. Uh, for the women, the, the best trans, I have a tough time going past Balsamo to trek they signed her and then she became world champion i think before they signed her no so they signed her then she became world champ uh while still at valcar and then she rattles off 
three one-day world tour wins in a week, spits seamlessly into the team, Giro Donna stage wins. The only thing missing was the Tour de France Famavex with stage win, but that transfer, yeah, unbelievable one, as well as Hofstetter to Arkea, who I think was their top point scorer. Without him, they probably don't make it into World Tour. If he's re-signed by Israel, maybe they remain in World Tour. So how do you wait a guy who's literally, and I don't think he's on that much money, taking a team into World Tour? Yeah, and I think when it comes to other transfers, we also need to consider not only the transfers from other pro tour, uh, World Tour teams, count, eh? we also need to consider the Neo Pros, for example. Ben Turner coming in. Magnus Sheffield coming in, Luke Plapp coming in from the Inform team in Australia. And those are names that are definitely popping up this year as very strong candidates. Christophe from UAE to Antomarche could be named as a, a good transfer as well. Oh, there's there's a bunch of them. Jai Hindley could be on this list, right? Well, yeah, I think, again, how on what metric does he not win? Like, they sign him. I pan the signing and then he wins the Giro. Like, <laughs> you know, that's exactly why they signed. He won a stage two on Blockhouse. Um, now, whether he is a genuine tour contender alongside Vlasov or whoever they have, uh, I'm, I'm not sure. But, yeah, you sign him and in the first Grand Tour he does for you, he wins, the, he wins it. That's, that's bigger than Laporte being a domestique, right? Like... At the end of the day, this this boy is about winning the biggest races, and so it kind of has to be like the other ones are more niche. Like Clark was a brilliant signing amidst all of Israel's terrible signings, and Lotto not signing Clark was one of the worst non-transfers. Yeah, but these are these are niche things around the edges. This guy has got signed, won a Grand Tour, so. I probably I have to give it to Jai Hindley. It is the Jai Hindley Award, and it was a bit of egg on my face. Who really? have you got? I'm going to go for the essence of best transfer and still give it to Laporte because I think that he was a rider that was seen a bit underrated last year, I think, as in 2021, because he was one of the first riders still over the Pauterberg in the Ronde van Vlaanderen. And in the classics, he was really good, but he was wearing a Kofferde shirt, so nobody saw him. And apparently, Yumbo saw him and signed him. And they leveled him up so significantly to be relevant very important and vital in some races throughout the entire season and that's what made their cobble team stronger in with and that's what made their tour de france team stronger as well to be able to support both wout and gc because he was also a satellite rider on the grand all stage for example for gc while doing the lead-in work for Finale in the sprints and so forth so all round, I'm going to give this one to Laporte, but I see where you're coming from when it comes to Hindley based on the fact that they win the Giro d'Italia as a consequence of his transfer. And the thing with Hindley is, do you consider him now a rider that can just repeat that next season and win a Grand Tour again? <laughs> you're baiting me into, uh, do you want me to double down? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, in the immortal words of PFT commenter, if you just... Any take will eventually be correct if you just wait long enough. <laughs> <laughs> if you wait long enough, eventually you'll be right. I mean, the the basis of my point, of course I was wrong. Like, you know, he won the Giro, whatever, everything else is immaterial. But the basis of my point was Ralph Denk said and Bora's goal is to win the Tour de France. 
I didn't think their host of signings really brought them much closer to winning the Tour de France. And my point was it put a lot of money together into riders who I don't really think can win the Tour de France. Now, he... And and I don't think that is wrong. Um, so, but of course, winning the Giro is big now. We'll see at the Tour de France this year. Uh, but no, I don't think he can compete with the likes of Polk or Vingegaard. Um, but he should do the Tour. It's low. There's never going to be a better chance for a pure climber like him. I'm laughing, but I was the guy that was roasting Caden Gross as a Conti sprinter, and then he ended up winning proper sprints <laughs> this year, and next year he's going to go towards Alpecin <laughs> and actually win World Tour sprints. So I don't know. I shouldn't be laughing at your Hindley talk. Uh, I messed up when it comes to Caden Gross. Anyway, I think that's... I mean, uh, maybe they... Maybe... I mean, I know a sprint is the running backs of cycling, right? Like, <laughs> do you want to invest a lot of money in them or is the, fuck the is a running back mate in the nfl so there's a phenomenon that you know running backs are actually imminently replaceable and overpaying for talent at that position is a waste of time or an inefficient use of money because things like the offensive line who create the space for the running backs are more it's like a lead out right the, the principle yeah. is if you put peak quick step lead out 2020 and you put Jensen Plowright in it, he'll probably win some races. If you take peak Cavendish or whoever and put him with the worst world's lead out and you spend all the money on the sprinter, they're not going to get good results. It's kind of like Ewan um, the last couple of years. So uh, it's sort of that principle. Anyway, before we get on to worst transfer, I want to mention the tour of the Makuri Islands. There's both... The just the general tour where you've got six, six stages to complete. Registration is open now. You can start and kick off stage one now. In fact, they're pretty much on the hour. Every hour you can do it, fitting in with you throughout the day. And like there's hundreds of people in every single uh, every single hour time slot. So there's the tour of Makuri Islands, which is really cool. And also there's the race mccurry which has a b c d e categories for everyone's ability if you want to check it out i've been toodling along on zwift since i got back from australia just getting the legs back under me but now it's time to get into a few races so i'll be diving in to the mccurry island races not in the a category we were not there yet but yeah it'll be fun to just keep it mix it up and that's what i love about these Zwift events. If you want to check out Zwift, you can go to Zwift.com and get a free seven-day trial as well. Before we get to worst transfers, Benji, are you you're a Volta? You're friends with Volta. Are you are you hopeful? Is there a part of you hoping he has the Laporte French team to Yumbo transformation, or you don't think it could be that steep? Uh, that steep is difficult there eh? because it was proper steep when it comes to Laporte. Then again, I do believe that the basis was definitely there to, for example, in the cobble race, he was one of the stronger cobble riders already last season. And then just a small level up in that and be more consistent. That's what led to the results with Yumbo. But when it comes to Walter, I feel like inconsistency is a part of it so far, but also that his longer climbing is not great. His time trial is not great. He's good at punchy races, but has been able to get that stage when in the Grand Tour, stuff like that. So I hope that they find a way to bolster 
one of the abilities or make him better all around to be more useful as a domestique or be more better as a spear point in certain races. And at the moment, he's kind of like uh, a raw gem, which I think can be cleaned up and whatever you call the process of making a gem better. That might happen to Valter, but I don't necessarily see the steepest rise, but I do see him winning stuff next year. I think what I'd like to see is if they can get his 20-minute power just up a little bit so that he can be making like a, a 5.8 for 20 mount soft mountaintop finish. If he can yeah. be at the finish, then he's quick. We see Higita? he's got a quick quick sprint, pardon? Is he a Higita type in that sense? Ah, uh, well, exactly. Can can they get him winning finishes like that Romandy finish? He the Higita one. He he really should be. That's where I think the logical step up is uh, for him. Anyway, worst transfer. There's a few like Lotto had a horrendous transfer window. It's one of the big reasons why they got relegated. Simon Clark they said no to uh, before he went to Israel. They then didn't. They had a, uh, plenty of roster spots, and then they decided they they realized the relegation system exists, and they signed Van Rensburg after he'd accrued hundreds of points in his African Conti champs, uh, African champs, and the yeah the yeah. African Continental champs, and they signed Barbero, yeah, kind of mind blowing signings, frankly. Um, they yeah. were pretty bad. There was Aberastri to Trek, and I remember roasting that <laughs> signing. And then he did yeah. a lead out in Tour of Slovenia or something for for someone. And people were like, "Well, you see, he's really, you know, you were wrong." It's like, no, that's not a world tour race. Tour of Slovenia sprints <laughs> would. <with, laughs> that's the point. <laughs> like Trek have a decent budget, and why they signed Jon Aberastri. I'm sure he's a nice guy, but I'll never know. Do you have any any signings as well, Benji? Aberastri was also one of the first ones that came into my mind because uh, we said it last year. He's a pro team sprinter that can fight in pro team sprints, conti races, and so forth. That's the level he's in. That's the level he should be at. He shouldn't be in World Tour with that level unless you desperately need points for the UCI um, three-year cycle. But I wouldn't say that Aberastri is the most scoring rider for that either because he's Spanish, so he can't ride cobbles. That applies to most Spanish riders these days. We have a few that can actually ride cobbles these days. Anyway, next to that, there's a few other names that I would like to mention. Hodge UAE is a name that pops up as he did not do anything this year, but I can't blame him for it because he had an injury basically for the most of the year. We did say that it would be dog shit at UAE, but we can't really go forth on that now. We can't confirm that because... If you have an injury that takes you out of race the entire season, we can't give you the worst transfer award, I would say, personally, because they can't predict that transfer. And perhaps if he didn't have the transfer, he might have proven us wrong. Johnny Moss gone. He's still alive. He's at Astana, apparently. And uh, he's there with the likes of Leonardo Basso, legend in the sport. Um, yeah, those two riders really did not do anything this year, did they? Johnny Moss gone, really. I don't know. I don't know what happened. He just disappeared. He's nowhere to be seen. Have you seen yeah. him once this year? Not, I've, I don't remember seeing him on TV in an Astana kit like that. <laughs> those signings. Were Is he awful. there? Are we certain? Like, I think so, but I'm not entirely convinced. There's other ones like DSM's transfer window as a whole was 
just basically to use a lot of guys who are in the dev team and put them in their world tour team who are not world tour level riders. I don't know what they're paying Degenkolb. He obviously, I mean, I don't think it's the same money he was on at Lotto, but he obviously did nothing. Um, there's also, there's a lot of guys who are sort of sick or injured. I think like Iking, I think had long COVID or something. Um, the one, it wasn't the signing this year, but it sort of culminated this year. This is, sorry, by the way, this is called the uh, Chris Israeli Chris Froome Award. It's hard to go past your contract pretty much. Well, it's not the reason. The reason is managerially incompetence, but like mm-hmm. Froome's contract and Israel getting relegated is very closely linked to each other. So... You know, Israel getting relegated with under Froome's contract and his lack of performance is, yeah, why it's called the Israeli Chris Froome Award because that's one of the worst signings in the history of cycling, unfortunately, even if he does win whatever, uh, a stage or something next year of anything. But, yeah, who do you – it's hard, Benji, because the riders, like, if they're not performing, you don't see them on the screen. So, you're like, because like I'm looking at DSMs and I'm like, I've never seen that guy. Like, I did, I had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea that they were on the team. I um, think also when it comes to Movistar, Yvonne Sosa is a name where, like, what were they expecting when it comes to Sosa? They initially announced him as like Giro GC person, but we know that when the wind starts rising, he flows through the through the fucking barriers by the side of the road like a plastic bag. And, like, this man can fly away just by a gust of wind. This is not the type of rider that can win top-notch World Tour races. And we see that he won Malaysia. Do you think that there were other races where he did prove himself at the level necessary at Movistar? I mean, he got a few points. But, yeah, like, I I don't know why they signed him. I mean, they needed someone to score points, I guess. I don't know what the money was. But yeah, like, Sosa is who he is at this point. I think UAE had a few. For the money they pay, UAE, like, Ackerman, I think he's on seven figures. Like, not good. Uh, Bennett as well, I think he's on a pretty heavy salary. Didn't perform at that level. Uh, Almeida got COVID and, you know, he's more of a long-term thing. But yeah, Ackerman and Bennett signings weren't weren't too crash hot. And I think there's going to be some guys this year the same, like Gross, Schartner and Bellens. Like, I don't think they're going to perform to those contracts, but we'll see. So who, who have you got overall, Benji? Oh, God, when it comes to the worst transfer, I also want to mention, by the way, one more name. Even Total didn't have the best transfer season. Like Chavez, Iking, Kudus haven't done much all year. But what about Mark Padun compared to the expectations of him at the team of EF? Because we expected more than what was delivered, no? Uh, I mean, incredible form in the in the Vuelta first week. Like un- unbelievable shape. He just got he just got unlucky. I think he probably did peak Dauphiné numbers on Kohana stage or the one of the stages that Vine won, uh, he just got caught from the break. Uh, so if you were expecting him to be like a consistent rider, which I wasn't, then yeah, he underperformed. But I don't know. Uh, they didn't get. Was he all right in spring? He didn't really do much in Grand Camino, but yeah, his spring wasn't that good either. And then 
yeah, it wasn't a great year, let's be honest. But there was that. <laughs> I mean, he there was that welter stage where he had that Dauphiné shape and yeah. GC group called him. So, yeah. Anyway, the worst transfer in my eyes, the Israeli Chris Froome Award. I'm still going to go with Aberastri. I still don't know why they signed him. And that remains the same, that feeling after this year, because that's a signing that you see and you're like, okay, that's not going to work out. And then at the end of the year, it didn't work out. So that's the obvious one. Or is that a too easy of a target? Was They're not paying him much, probably, Aberastri. So as a consequence, is it too easy to say, oh, that was the worst transfer? I, th- I think so. It's not like Aberastri's contract is, you know, weighing down the team or, you know, making them making them significantly worse. Like the UAE guys are getting paid a lot more. It's maybe like a, yeah, who did I mention before? Ackerman. Yeah, like an Ackerman type guy. Um, yeah, it's... It was tough without knowing the contracts. Probably a Mos- Moscon. Like I would say Moscon's getting paid a decent chunk of change. But my actual answer is Elio Viviani at Ineos. I oh. think was the worst transfer this year because I don't think he's on 100 grand and he is so far away from being a competitive sprinter at World Tour level and kind of took a spot that also Cav could have taken. Uh, so, yeah, I think Viviani was the worst transfer. Advocate of the devil, what if their goal is not necessarily road cycling with him, but also don't, track cycling don't care. and Olympics? Next. Okay, 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 okay. I also want to mention, um, I was going to mention something, but I actually completely forgot what I was going to mention. So I guess that's it for the category. I completely forgot what I was going to say. So if I ever think of it, I'll remind you guys. Anyway, the next category, we've done best transfer, we've done worst transfer, Jai Hindley and Israeli Chris Froome Award. Funniest moment, that's one we could mention. Do you have a name for this? Clown Award or whatever? I, I don't know how to name it. I couldn't think of a funny name for the Funniest Moment Award. Um, I did, you know, I did find Peter Sagan calling Wild Bernard a motherfucker pretty funny, um, but that's going to be captured by the Deviation Award. I think the first thing that comes to mind is like Jasper Philipson walking next to his bike in that UAE Tour headwind sprint stage when he started running next to it. That was like mm-hmm. an intentionally funny moment, but there's also like where he's trying to make a joke, but there's also um, some unintentional comedy ones benji okay yeah um the unintentional ones is uh one thing one of the funniest things for me personally to the front we're in the couple stage everything's super serious everybody's riding for their lives jonas winning up punctures and at a certain point during that puncture Plenty of Jan Bovisma ride his way because they want to bring Vingegaard back to the peloton. The car stops on the right side of the road, gets a bike out. Another rider tries to give his bike, but then Vingegaard goes with the bike from the car. There's five riders all over the road. We see bike laying by the side of the road. We see a DS jumping out of the car. And there's this one picture that, one screenshot that you could see like, okay, this is pure panic in one shot. And for some reason, every single time that I see that shot, I just laugh until I die, like literally. This should be the painting that is on the wall of Richard Plug in his office. That is literally the funniest thing of the Tour de France and perhaps the entire year. How do you rate that? It was pretty it was pretty funny. 
uh, albeit stressful because it wasn't the plan, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, the other ones which are unintentional, Almeida going the wrong way in the TT, and it's always Almeida when bad stuff happens. He just face just kind of goes, oh, no. Oh, no, this is terrible. Like, he doesn't even seem to get that <laughs> mad, you know? Like, an Ayuso would be screaming and, and a few... And it's like, ah, oh, what a shame. <laughs> He's just such a chill guy. Another one from those two is not so bad in the world. The Sierra Nevada stage yeah. was pretty, yeah, not great. But the Catalonia stage where Ayuso just straight up attacked on the descent <laughs> when Aguita and Carapaz were up the road with that 100K solo... Almeida was struggling on the descent, and then afterwards Almeida said he told Ayuso to go. So either that's not true because um, it doesn't make sense, or he did say it, which is hilarious if he told Ayuso to attack <laughs> on the descent. So either way, I found that pretty funny when I was like, everyone was like, what are you doing um, that whole stage pretty much? Yeah, I think we need to credit someone, by the way. The new social media manager, Anton Machete, is here like, I think you made some criticism towards like Antomashe back in the yeah. day where their socials weren't top notch. And then we had such humorous memes on the Twitter of uh, Antomashe and perhaps on Instagram as well, but I'm not that active there. But it was just hilarious to see that change and probably good for their following as well on social media. That's one of the things that is orchestrated by the team in action that makes cycling a little more fun for the cycling fan. We also had Milano beating Ackermann at the Vuelta. In the sprint, that was pretty fun. It's also UAE team dynamics. I enjoyed that. I laughed so hard when it happened, mainly because Ackerman, yeah, Ackerman hasn't been sprinting at his best in 2022. And then to see him losing to his lead out was pretty funny. Not going to lie. Is that harsh towards Ackerman? Perhaps, but no, I enjoyed it. And Laporte beating Wow in World Sprint was also a little bit funny. <laughs> yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> you know, Mazet, you can talk about it. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know what stage it was. Nothing staged the Tour de France. <laughs> and it ended up being like the third most viewed video of the highlight videos on the LR channel. And Pino just rides into a musette. He's, yeah, yeah. It was like, so let's say it's poor old DSM. I'm going to pick DSM. I don't think it was them. Um, team is, Frank. their rider is riding. They've got the soigneurs on the right. And the guy's got his arm extended and Pino just undercuts between the rider and this one you know, just rides into his arm and yeah. gets smacked in the face. And then the, I think the fu- the reason it was funny was the photo or the still of Pino being cradled by the Swanyu. It might have been EF, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, um, the year held him and it looked like Trek. he was. Yeah, it was Trek. Yeah, it was Trek. Um yeah, that, I thought that was pretty funny. Um, and yeah. like, it's funny because he wasn't actually like hurt or anything too badly. So yeah, I don't. I'm sure we're missing something. Um, there was no. Unfortunately, you see those old photos of the Tour de France Champs Elysees stage where like riders steal a police motorbike, they're smoking cigarettes, <laughs> you know, they got a gun or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> people don't people don't do that sort of thing anymore. Um, <laughs> unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, I think it'd be pretty funny. Like, the Champs-Élysées <laughs> stage, why stand on ceremony? Like, it's not a real stage anymore. Like, why not take the piss? So um, I'm sure we're missing something. But, yeah, my funniest moment probably was uh, – the Philipson at UAE just because really? I had to laugh at myself. Yeah. Cause I was like, I was like, 
started laughing because I was like, yeah, why also am I watching this? <laughs> like it's 25k to the go clown. I'm here. yeah i'm also the clown we're all the clowns watching this um so that was my funniest moment yeah for me uh for me it had to be the uh vinegar panic shot as in like the puncture in the in the cobble stage that one that one picture that just shows pure panic in yumbo visma and every rider being panicking every ds being panicking on I laughed so hard when I saw it. And uh, yeah, that remains a picture that I will always laugh at. That is full sighted. So that was the funniest moment of this year in our eyes. Obviously, we only uh, base it off what we can remember. So if you have different funniest moments, drop them below or tweet them at us or Instagram them at us, whatever you want to do. Next one, let's talk about races a tiny bit. We have the best race, worst race, and most dangerous race category. Although I feel like the worst race and most dangerous race can be combined because if it's most dangerous then it's probably pretty bad <laughs> oh, <laughs> i would have them different like the giro yeah. stages uh the opening giro stages were horrendous like if you yeah. look at the watts they were lower than the watts the pelton does in uae tour before jebel hafid on the flat it was literally yeah. like w- slower than a uae tour stage some of those Giro sprint stages because no one wanted to get in the breakaway. And we, you know, often say, oh, why do people get in the suicide break? Yada, yada, yada. Well, without it, it makes the stage go so slowly. So they are actually, they are actually an essential function to the stage, not taking forever. I think the Danish stages were also pretty forgettable in the tour. I'll be honest, like that bridge was hyped up to God and then, Nothing happened, so I would say the Danish stage is pretty forgettable from the tour as well. So both, I, I did like the MVDP uphill sprint against Binium. Yep. I will remember that stage, but the two the sprint stages from either of the opening ones, nah. It's very different compared to the Tour de France Grand Depart last year, where we were Alaphilippe winning the first stage, Van der Poel on Muta Britannia. Those were like two kickoffs, and, and I think year. next year. Bur- uh, not Burgos, Basque Country will be a great start for the Tour de France as well, I would say, in uh, that sense. But when it comes to like worst races, it's difficult for me because on one end, GC was boring at the Giro, not going to lie, despite like the, the overturning of the last Fedaya moment. That stage was boring as fuck, probably one of the worst mountain stages I've seen in the last few years because nothing was happening. Bloody Colby wins a mountain stage as a consequence of no action in GC until the last climb. And then it's Camna in the breakaway, satellite rider move, very nice move, leading that. I like that move, but it doesn't save the entertainment of that race. I was just half sleeping at that point in that race. And throughout throughout the Giro, it felt like GC was stagnated for half of the race as well. So I was kind of like stage 14 is good, stage 20 I enjoyed two minutes of. And that's basically it for the Giro in my eyes. Binyam van der Poel is also the dynamic there. But it's arguably one of the worst, rated, worst races relative to the class of the race being a grand the classification it's a grand tour it's supposed to be one of the better races of the year and so forth now i can't really say it's the worst race of the season because otherwise i will get punched when i get home because i met my girlfriend at the grand Depart in budapest so i need to be kind this is what this was a good race for me personally but entertainment wise it was pretty bad so it's definitely one of the ones i'm naming that um weren't that great but also Milano Sanremo is your 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 next level monument, right? Every single year, you're like best monument best of monument, the year. Yeah. Oh, every year I'm like quite a disappointing race. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. 
if you tune in before the Chipressa, that is on you. Like, that's just a lack of self-control. Just like you, can't, I guess, you can't say that when we both rode on Zwift while doing it, while watching the race. Yeah, but we have to. Uh, I'll do <laughs> actually. So I'm don't. not sure I did watch it before Chipressa. Um, but then that argument applies for the Grand, the the um, Tour de France and Giro. Why would you watch the sprint stages? I guess I don't know. That's a good question. I think COVID <laughs> and Tour de Suisse was like that race turned into a bit of a farce. Tour de Romandy, I it was pretty forgettable as well. Um, but yeah, I'm going with. Uh, Unfortunately, those two Giro sprint stages were they win the Why Did We Quit Our Day Job awards, uh, even though Cav won one, thankfully. Uh, I'm going with those two. Uh, who do you have, Benji? I would also likely lean towards that. Hmm, it's difficult, you know. I'm going to go for the same. I'm going to go for the Giro in general. I didn't like the Giro GC fight in the end. And I would rate the GC in the Giro in general one of the worst races this year compared to what we expect from a race like that. I'll base it like that because I'm gonna get roasted for calling the Giro the worst race of the season because like plenty of other races that were boring as fuck, but I can't remember them, so (laughs) I can't name them. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't think it was the best ever. Uh, But the best race, the LR YouTube Retirement Fund Fill Up Award, I have to give to. I guess the Tour de France Grenoble stage, I just, there's no, the numbers speak for themselves. Like the stage has so much interest from even after the Tour de France, people keep going back. I can see to watch the highlights of that stage. Just fascinating tactically. One of the best races I've ever watched. That's that's my best race of the year. Tour of Flanders I thought was really good. I have Flanders ahead of Roubaix. Roubaix was good, but in the end, it had a solo winner who was never getting brought back. So the last, I don't know, 15Ks weren't actually that interesting. That's why like Estrada, Liege, Worlds. Worlds is pretty boring, actually. Worlds is not great. Yep. Um, those races aren't that exciting. And so Roubaix for me could have been if they caught Van Baal in the velodrome and someone yeah. takes a fly, but didn't happen. Flanders, though, was really good. And actually, the Pegachi getting boxed in and then abusing Van Baal was the funniest moment we forgot. Um, but uh, Granon for me. <laughs> okay, I think that's a good one. I think uh, Granon is definitely um, the best stage of the year for me. I think the Tour de France, as a consequence of the Granon stage and the action of Paul Vinga being able to overturn Pogacar and Pogacar still being able to give the fear to everybody that he might actually still win the Tour de France. There was tension throughout the entire race. Perhaps it ended in the last uh, mountain weekend. It was going to be difficult in the last mountain weekend nonetheless, but I still was stressful every single day, especially with McNulty and Bill and having a wonderful turn on that one stage. As a consequence, Pogacar being more dangerous in our eyes as viewers. So... I think the Tour de France is one of the best races of the season, Grand All stage in particular. I also want to want to mention the Tour de France Femme because that was a race that we went to the start. I really enjoyed going to the Champs-Élysées start of the Tour de France Femme. And throughout that race, I actually enjoyed every single race. It felt like uh, women's cycling took a step up with the Tour de France Femme, and I hope that it does so in the future as well. But there's one reason why I wouldn't name, the, wouldn't name it the, the best race this year mainly because it had no Granol stage kind of action between GC riders, 
We knew Van Vleuten was going to win if she survived the first four stages. Still, I really enjoyed it. But one thing that really annoys me is that on the Brutal Mountain stage, we said in the preview a year earlier, oh, the race is going to open up before the broadcast. And there was no broadcast when the race opened up. And that ruins that mountain stage for me. No? Um, to me, yes, Benji, you... you're right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I I think there needs to be more, and this applies to races like Criterium de Dauphiné as well. There needs to be more dynamic. Okay, do we need to see two and a half hours of this stage on a Wednesday? That's going to be a sprint when the Sunday stage could kick off early. And why don't we have four hours of that stage, an hour and a half of the other stage, uh, or an hour of the other stage? And that's been, it's always just not two and a half of each. And so, yeah, that I think where I really agree with you is like, why isn't it locally recorded? Like, can we at least, should at least be locally recorded at a minimum to show us when the race starts? That's inexpensive, doesn't require a helicopter. There seems to me, no excuse not to have that. Um, but yeah, I think the parkour is actually really good this year. The it could have been, it could have been an all-time race if SD Works took advantage of Sick Van Vleuten and they didn't for whatever reason, whether they already gave up before the race started, whether they had internal leadership problems. Van Vleuten, I think, said after the race, like I was literally shitting myself (laughs) figuratively and literally i think she had gastro and if they'd attacked me on those earlier stages properly and kept it going i was done well i was going to lose big time and so sd works didn't um and you know so the gc kind of got wrapped up but yeah i think the parkour was really good and that wasn't really the fault of the parkour anyway most dangerous race i have to it's tough. We've got Burgos when they had a speed bump and then Yumbo Visma guys hit it. And then, yeah, that was like it was the descent into a speed bump in the last 600 meters that stage. And then the Yumbo Visma guys went one, two, three. We have uh, Turkey where there were so many crashes. And then the final stage was slippery and technical. And then there was a crash um, and they, they just called it off. I think my one of my most popular tweets was part of turkey this year or was it last year i think it was this year where the riders like were riding through roadworks or something at a certain point like straight up pulls every 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 meter on the road was a pole and they had to evade everything I, d- I don't remember fully what what stage it was and so forth but it was this moment that was really bloody dangerous so that together with the speed bump thing at burgos are the most dangerous moments in races for me but does that really convert into the most dangerous race. We're always heavy on Polonia in that sense, but again, dangerous corners in the last 100 meters. Then also there was a, a, a traffic island in the middle, a corner that like went wider in and then we got smaller as the corner got towards the end, which is hard to, to see as a rider when you're going into the corner, so that's dangerous. But that was not as bad necessarily as the Burgos and the Turkey ones in my eyes. But also want to mention Croatia, because like, funniest part, we, we forgot to mention this in the funniest moment section. As in the deviations itself, well, not about deviation, but the parkour crap at Croatia, the same corner every single year where crashes are happening every single year. 
they keep that in that that steep corner every lap in I think stage four or something. Crash happen every year, every year, every single year, and riders complain every year, but they keep it in. Next to that, I think there was some other issue with tram lines or tra- or so in the middle of the road where riders could straight up. They were riding parallel to the tram lines on the road that they were riding on. So they could have easily, easily crashed. There are bollards on the side of the road. So Croatia is definitely one that I want to mention as well. But um, yeah, I think, I think I'm leaning most towards giving it to... It's annoying, eh? Because Burgos is not the race that comes in my mind as the most dangerous race in the world over the last few years. But this year was terrible. But then you have a Croatia who does it every single year. Polony that hasn't fixed itself that much. Like, do we blame an organizer more when they do consecutive fuck-ups when it comes to safety? Uh, yeah, Burgos seemed like one isolated thing. And otherwise, it's generally, I don't think of it as too dangerous a race. Whereas Polonia, it always just seems to be an issue with it. Um, I don't really have a winner of this award, but yeah, we just called out those ones. I'm sure Everybody's again, losers. there's yeah, there's no real winner here um, in the Ryder Pinball Derby Award, but the I'm sure we're missing some. So let us know. Partic- I think it is particularly egregious when the same dangerous corner or parkour is repeatedly used when we know how- it issues that to me because they're yeah. not going to use that speed bump in Burgos again. God forbid. Like that. Yeah. There's no way they use that again. <laughs> I don't imagine. Think. Uh, imagine. Yeah. Like they can't. Whereas some of these other ones keep popping back up. Uh, but this is probably we're now into our wheelhouse. The big awards, the deviation police, the Joe Buck disgusting act, or Lance Stroll sideswipe award. If you saw his move on Alonso the other week in the F1. Worst deviation slash most aggressive action. The majority of which we took a long time putting these all together. The majority of these did not result in a relegation, um, which is kind of kind of mad because <laughs> some of them are really really bad. I think I'm going to start off with probably the thing that I thought was most disappointing for the entire year which was Sebastian Milano in, I think, the Dauphiné. He, at 70 kph, Hugo Page has just moved out and made him move a little bit. He has not endangered Milano on this descent whatsoever. There is so much space. He grabs Hugo Page's bike and nearly caused a crash in the bunch at 70 kph and then I think hits him on the head on the bike. Then after the race also assaults page goes up to him and i think hits him on the head yeah. and he was not given any suspension by the uci to me this is the most like you can nearly cause a crash through a del- not just like a negligent move you are intentionally doing something dangerous and hitting a guy at that speed in the bunch and then after the stage hitting a guy and you don't get suspended, and that's why. And also, Milano like had a lot of sus moves in sprints, but that's to me not as bad as this in the heat of battle. Oh, it's snowing outside my house; that's terrifying. Um, <laughs> and then he won a welter stage. When he won the welter stage, it's like, well, like if your name was Nasser Buani, you'd be, yeah, you would have got six months. So it was kind of. <laughs> I didn't really enjoy that. 
if Buhani looks at someone the wrong way, he gets like penalized for six months off his bike. Like, and I don't know. There was one moment with Buhani though at the start of the year. I don't know where it was. A French race, some French race where Kirsch called him out on Twitter. I think Alex Kirsch from Trek called him out for why can't you stay in your in your lane? And he was right that Buhani deviated. If I recall, I, I tweeted that it was the right moment to call him out. Well, to call him out, I don't know, but it was right that he should have been relegated. But I feel like most of the time, Buhani does stuff and he always get, gets penalized for it. And then he sees other people not getting penalized for it. So he's probably like, well, if they can do it, is that something I can do? And then he, then he gets relegated again. <laughs> he's like other people do exactly the same stuff he does all the time like is he the cleanest sprinter no of course no. not does he do some stupid things yes but is he like by far and away the dirtiest compared to the base level conduct from a lot of sprinters not really it's just when it happens riders feel a lot more empowered to call him out and i think like first of all for a relegation to happen you have a descending checklist and if none of these things get ticked then they're not getting relegated first of all was there a crash if no 50 percent less likely to be a relegation did the rider win that did the deviation because if they won and they didn't crash anyone unlikely to get relegated third did the rider who do the <laughs> the deviation are they not very well liked in the peloton if they uh not very well liked it's more likely that then option four will they be called out on twitter by their fellow <laughs> fellow riders <laughs> and then they're more likely to get a suspension or whatever like buani fifth was the rider who was the victim of it do they speak english if they speak english then the rider who did the deviation if their name's buani they're fucked um even if the guy didn't crash so they're the sort of factors at play where there's a relegation. And so that's why for the one one of the very few relegations was Wellens on Cosnefro and Remco. Remco is well-liked in Belgium by a lot of people, and he's a big name. He made a big fuss about it. Wellens took them all the way to the barriers, and Wellens wasn't going for the win. And so that's why he got relegated, because it was for like fourth or fifth or something. Um, that's Actually, important to note. I also want to note one thing we haven't added to our list, but I would like to mention it. The intermediate sprint that, what was it? That Belgium race where Lombard oh, and Wellens. <laughs> <laughs> I swear that Wellens needed to get bonus seconds or something to win GC. And the entire quick step team or Lombard and so forth started, started like pushing and so forth, blocking Wellens to make sure that Wellens could not get the bonus seconds. That is how I remember the event. And as a consequence, a quick step rider ended up winning GC. I'm not 100% certain on I my think. memory. Is it Schmidt? Auto Schmidt? Yeah. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. I mean, I actually thought the tactic in principle was <laughs> fine. I thought if you get boxed in yeah, and guys, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, and they just ride in a straight line and you're boxed in, well, that's life. The problem was Lampart putting his elbow out and elbowing yep. him uh, was the issue. I mean, he just got a three-year extension from Lefebvre. So, I mean, I don't know what talk, <laughs> don't know what talk Remco and his dad had with Lefebvre about GC signings, but anyway. Um, <laughs> wow. Uh, surprised by that. Three years. But anyway. No, he wasn't yellow, so. 
nah, it doesn't deserve a three-year extension. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I always in you know, it's like, okay, how replicable is it? I mean, it might not be the biggest money in the world either. Uh, but I'll, I'll rattle through a few other deviations. Uh, Richese, this was, to me, this was the worst part of you. This, this remember when I went through those checklists? Remember? Richese didn't win. Cavendish is British and popular and was the victim of this. So Richese in Tour of Oman literally does his lead out. He has to sprint to the side of the rider in front of him to do his lead out. And the overhead footage came out and proved this was outrageous. The right-hand bent. He moves to the right of the rider ahead of him. Cavendish was not overlapped with him yet. And Richese does, does his lead out to the right. And it's in the space of one rider width to the barriers. And Cavendish is, follows his wheel and is blocked. And Gaviria goes to the left, jumps out of Richese's wheel earlier, and wins the stage. And because Cav chose the wrong line, Richese got relegated. It didn't matter. But that was, to me, just mind-boggling that that, of all things, was a relegation or disqualification. What it proves to me is that I feel like Media pressure has a huge influence, social media pressure and media pressure on the decisions that the UCI makes because we see that both in this event and also last year when it comes to Jake Stewart versus Buhani. We were open about the fact that it wasn't a good move, but that they were being harsh on him because it's Buhani and because the public was basically crucifying him as a consequence. And some media were doing like in-depth analysis of this one event while they would never go in-depth on any deviations just because they know it's Buhani and they would get clicks from it. So I don't know. Uh, it's it's a media pressure that is a big factor for me. And there's a lot of times where we don't see that media pressure, but it does pay off a little bit because it's so significant of a deviation. And that's Guarishi, for example, in Valenciana, women's cycling. Badra Guarishi deviated across the road into, uh, into Consoni and Consoni crashed out. During the sprint, Consani was probably going to compete for the victory there. I think Bastianelli ended up winning that race, if my memory serves me right. But Anguadishu came out on social media afterwards and was like, why did I get relegated? I didn't do anything wrong. So I don't know. Nah, that was not okay. And she's not the cleanest uh, when it comes to her sprinting and so forth in women's cycling. Arguably the worst one of the bunch, I'd say, visibly. Because there's multiple other moments. I think in women's tour she did something that caused the crash, and there were some other races where she could did another deviation. So I don't know. Just wanted to mention her as well. There were some other ones like Vernon taking his hand off his bike in Catalonia and pushing someone out of the way or something. Christoph did the same in early season, but I felt like it wasn't a push and more a I'm here situation in my personal eyes. But Milan did something similar too. Ah, that's not that's not that's not a small push. That was that was next level. Uh, <laughs> He's just a big boy. He's just got big big arm extension. <laughs> he pulled the Ashes Air Rider and pulled him back straight up. <laughs> that was like the that was together with Hugo Page and Milano the worst thing that happened on a bike this year. Yeah, it wasn't great. Uh, I'll rattle through another one. Wow, Van deviation against Sagan should have been a relegation in the Tour de France um, when Sagan then pointed him and said you motherfucker pretty hilarious though after the finish great thumbnail thanks very much Peter um, 
yeah, it's because the slow deviations never get done. Um, and in the end, if Wild had held his line a little bit more, I think there's no space for Gronovic, and he might have won that stage. Uh, Cohn Bowman on Schmidt in the Giro, I think he knew what he was doing. But then the corner, that was a really unique one because it's uphill. There's a corner involved. He's closed him out before the corner and pinched him. Uh, and the couple of funny ones were Vingegaard, when Vingegaard went on his crash spree, <laughs> he crashed Izagira and Vlasov in, in Basque Country um, when he chopped them. And then one of my personal favorites was Igita deviating against Vlasov in that punchy finish of Romandy. Um, yeah. And then... Vlasov was about to get annoyed. Agita then won the stage, and they're like, oh, we're teammates. It was great. But I think Agita knew what he was doing there in that Romany finish. <laughs> he did. He did. Similar with Foz, which was not a teammate, right? In Oh, yeah. Maybe he didn't actually. That's, maybe he didn't know what he's doing. Maybe he just is all over the place. One thing we haven't mentioned because it didn't happen on the bike is the Umbo Visma right uh, article thing. That's something that should be mentioned in a category, and this was the one closest to it for me. So I want to mention that as a big of a, a clown play by a team, I'd say. What they did there, bringing an article out, was stupid. Definitely when you analyze the race and so forth. So wanted to mention that definitely Fred Wright. I spoke to him yesterday. Um, apparently his his dad is going to show up as, as Primoz Roglic on a cyclocross event this weekend to joke about, about it. So I don't know. It, it's still a... He apparently likes the memes that were made. How do you as a dress as Primoz Roglic? I don't know. Like get like skiing kit on. <laughs> <laughs> like what you wear it like the, his Slovenian national champs tree glove jersey and <laughs> a hay bell attached to your leg. <laughs> Jesus, I mean, yeah, that's one of the most dangerous moments of the year. We forgot to mention, yeah, a hay bale being dragged into the middle of the road during the Tour de France. Um, but my winner of the Joe Buck most disgusting act, I think, goes to Milano. I just, yep. I just couldn't believe what I was seeing, and the fact that it didn't result in sanctions, I still shocking to me. Um, but yeah, I'm sure I've forgotten some. I'm sure, there were others throughout the year. Um, oh no, I forgot. Oh yeah, Ryan Mullen. Um, forgetting how to ride in a straight line, I called it out, and then he went on a Twitter rampage saying I was like a basement cave dwelling person. That was pretty funny. Um, I don't know whether that fit in funniest <laughs> moments how impressed he got, um, but <laughs> that should go in there as well. But yeah, Milano wins this or loses this award for me. Yeah, Milano as well for me. It's uh, it's the moment that should have resulted in multiple months of suspension, and it's probably the name of this uh, this clip on YouTube if uh, if we end up clipping it from the podcast this this writer should have been banned for months that that's a good title for this because he should have like he straight up should have for this he punched a rider twice and was playing with his bike on playing with hugo page's bike while riding so it's not okay should have been banned for months and if buhani did it he would have been in jail literally oh also juan pay um, um they're all coming to me at the end of the book <laughs> what funniest moment this is going to start put it back in the funniest moment the no i'm changing my pick Funniest moment of the year was Juanpe Lopez, all five foot six of him, getting into the Malia Rosa at the at the Giro and turning into L, like Armstrong level Patron. Do not fuck with me. Um, <laughs> well, he's wearing the Malia. First of all, it starts with he has the agreement with Kamna and. Kamner was not trusting that he'd given the stage. So Kamner 
kind of brake checked the fuck out of him in that final corner on Etna and then torched him in the sprint. And then Juanpe goes into pink. First of all, the brake took a while to go in a few stages. And then he would go to the front, make sure everyone knew he was going for a piss and it was time for them to piss. And he put both hands out like Tony Martin in knee stage. It's Juanpe piss time. And then... What else did he do? Oh, and then he threw a bit on. At, um, it was a Cone Bowman or some yeah, unsuspecting younger rider. Doom, on a do, and then Dumoulin the next day came up to him and faked oh, yeah. throwing the bit on at him. That 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 is my funniest moment of the season. That and whole sequence. He then threw his, threw his musette on the floor. What yes. looked like in anger, but apparently because there was a bee inside it. But I don't believe yeah. that. It was because he was angry. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it looked like he took the musette, missed one or got the wrong one or it didn't have his favorite jam sandwich and it looked and he went, ah, on the ground. And it was right behind him because uh, there was a bee in it. <laughs> um, that was pretty funny. So, yeah, Juanpe, i just like to give a shout. I like Juanpe. I hoped he won't came top 10 of Welter. Um, I actually, I do miss some Patron antics. So, yeah. That's my funniest moment. I know that it's out of order. But, yeah, if you have any other funny moments or just random things that happened throughout the year that were noteworthy or we missed, uh, let us know. Uh, we enjoyed doing this pod. It was hotly requested. Benji's off to do his FTP test now. It stopped snowing and it's now sunny and it's not – although it's still minus one here. I'm doing the no heating or fireplace challenge this winter in Andorra. Um, see how I go but yeah that's all from us I'll be going on the Mercury Islands tour later check it out if you're interested as well and we'll see you with team previews kicking off next week we've got some big ones coming up until then ciao when it comes to teaching kids and teens about money practice makes perfect that's where green light comes in with a debit card and money app of their own kids learn to earn save spend wisely and invest Parents send instant money transfers, create custom chores, and automate allowance, while kids track their spending, set savings goals, and practice money skills they can use today and for life. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com slash podcast.